Hey everybody, John Mark Comer here. This is not a teaching, this is a very special announcement. For all of you who follow along with the Bridgetown Church podcast but are not actually a part of our church, you live in another part of the city or just go to another church or you live on the other side of the world. Originally when we started our podcast, it was just for our church, for people that were out of town on vacation or homesick. But over the years, our listenership has grown by a large number, and we have podcasters from all over the English-speaking world. I was in dialogue with somebody this morning from New Zealand who her and all of her friends listened to the podcast, and somebody over email yesterday in Germany, and we're just, it's such a joy and delight to us, and we take it really seriously to serve not only our church, but kind of the church at large in that way for all of you that Listen along to our teaching and our teaching team. It's so much fun. And we just wanted to let you know about something afoot back home at Bridgetown Church here in Portland, Oregon. So our city, and the odds are high that your city is similar, when you travel into the urban core where I'm at right now, all through the urban core of the city are these old historic church buildings that many of which date back to before Oregon statehood. The building that I'm sitting in the basement of right now, First Baptist Church, dates back to, I think, 1896. It's just this beautiful landmark and more right in the middle of the city. But tragically, over the years, these churches have fallen into disuse and disrepair, in particular the historic churches in our city. And these buildings were designed to preach the gospel of Jesus with architecture. So there's a steeple at the top that originally, by city code, was the highest point in the city or the highest point in that neighborhood. A lot of those steeples have a cross at the top, and the, the building is literally designed to point people to the reality of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And these buildings are more than landmarks. They are, you know, in the historic kind of sense, they are symbols to the city. But tragically, they are often symbols not of the life of the church of Jesus and the community of Jesus in the city, but rather the death in this secular, Western, post-Christian, progressive city that we call home. And every time one is sold off and torn down to make way for a condo tower, or even worse is, we see this a lot, turned into a McMinniman's pub or a theater, or there's a well-known Lutheran church right on a major thoroughfare in town, that was sold off and it's now a bright pastel color and turned into a Buddhist temple or a yoga studio or whatever, a beer garden, whatever it is. Every time that happens, it is a tragedy for the gospel of Jesus in the church in our city. It is a symbol to our city that the church and Jesus himself is a part of the past of our city and not a part of the present and of the future. And that is a lie from the pit of hell that we do not believe to be true at all. So a number of years ago, God started to really grow our heart, really more than that, arrest our heart with a vision to recapture old historic church buildings in the city center. Originally, when we planted the church, our ecclesiology, if you listen to the podcast, is really more about the table than the stage. It's more about the home than the church building. And when we started to look for a Sunday gathering space, originally, I wanted nothing to do with an old church. It was just... It was not our vibe. We wanted a cool theater or a warehouse or something indie rock in the city for kind of the post-Christian thing. But God, in a week of prayer and fasting, a number of us leading up to our church plant, he started to arrest our heart with this line out of Isaiah 64, where the prophet just starts to lament 
that the sacred dwelling place of Jerusalem has been torn down. He writes, Jerusalem is a desolation. Your sacred temple has been burned with fire, speaking to the exile and the Babylonian destruction of the city and the temple in Jerusalem. And our hearts were just wrecked. These buildings, even if they have not been torn down or burned by fire, there is a spiritual kind of desolation, even at an architectural level in the urban core of our city. So all that to say, a year ago during our vision series, we officially announced what had been on our heart since before we even planted our church. That is our desire to buy or receive, if there was an old church willing to give it, that was even better, some kind of an old historic church building in the city, at least to office in and run Alpha in and stuff like that, and ideally to run our Sunday morning gatherings or evening gatherings through. Long story short, here we are one year later, and God, we feel, has brought a building, dropped it right into our lap. It's kind of a long story, but a beautiful story. It's called Holiday Park Church of God. If you go to our website, bridgetown.church give, there's a link there with a page full of pictures of the building and a video tour and kind of a video pitch for the building and a capital campaign around it. But it's this beautiful building built in the 1950s. And it's this mid-century modern gem. You would just love it. It's right at 21st and Tillamook, so really close into the river, right in the urban core of the city in a great neighborhood. It's 35,000 square feet, which is big by any standards and by urban standards. That's, you know, it's not a megachurch, but that's megachurch status. It has two parking lots, again, by urban standards. That's pretty much unheard of. All the parents are freaking out at the potential of 68 parking spaces right in the middle of the city. Easy access to get there. There's a beautiful, we would call it an auditorium. I think they call it a sanctuary that we think has the potential to seat up to six or 700 people on a Sunday. There's space to run alpha. There's office space galore. And it's just this beautiful spot, beautiful location, beautiful building. The building needs a, a renovation, but the bones are all fantastic. Anyway, I could go on for hours. And so we together as a church have spent the last month or so in prayer and question and answer and dialogue and just to discern and as as best as we can discern, it seems good to the Holy Spirit and our community that this is an open door and an opportunity from God. And we want to raise some money and buy this thing. The um, Holiday Park, the church that's in there, is down to about 25 adults on a Sunday morning. Wonderful people, been around for a very long time. The church itself dates back to before Oregon statehood. And they are basically, they, they are well aware that they are dying, and they want to die in the Jesus kind of way, in such a way that the death of their church, so to speak, brings life to yet another generation. So they have offered to sell us the building for $3 million, which is about, I don't know, a third or so of what it's worth, just the land. And uh, then they want to take all of that money and give it away to missionaries and mission organizations around the world, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of a double fundraising campaign to raise money to buy a building for Bridgetown as well as to give to expand the work of the kingdom of God around the world. So um, we're right in that. Now, if you're thinking why a building and why now, if you've ever been to visit our church, you know we meet in two beautiful buildings as it is over on the east side on Sunday mornings at Old Laurelhurst Church and then downtown in the evenings where I'm at right now at First Baptist where we started, two beautiful churches that we love. So why a building and why a building now? Well, a few reasons. The main one I already said is just these buildings are symbols to the city. 
And we feel a spiritual responsibility. And honestly, I can't help but wonder if all churches should feel this in their city or their town. We feel the spiritual responsibility to keep these buildings from being torn down or worse, turned into something that is the antithesis of what Jesus is about, but rather kept in the family, so to speak, kept in the family of God and used from generation to generation for the kingdom and the kingdom work in our city. So that's honestly the main reason. We feel a spiritual responsibility to keep this building from going another direction. Another reason for us is, you know, right now we rent out space on Sundays. We do set up and tear down, and we rent a tiny little office space during the week. And it's great. We love it. But it really limits our capacity for a more holistic expression of church. And owning our own building just opens up a wide range of possibility and potential. Right now, all we can really do is Sunday gatherings at home communities, which is really the main thing we're about, and that won't change. But this just comes with all sorts of options. You know, there's space for a co-working space. We want to build out a hospitality center with a 50-foot table to run alpha and just create this beautiful third space as well as community events for the neighborhood. There's a 6,000-square-foot fellowship hall in the basement with sunlight in it and an industrial kitchen. We want to open up space for a warming center for our neighbors without houses in the winter. We want to start basically um, a collection center for Refugee Care Collective, a nonprofit that started out of our church that's now statewide and citywide to welcome refugee families into our city. We want to start a department stores. This is one dream of sort for um, refugee families, foster parents, foster children, foster families, low-income people in our church, in the neighborhood, in the city that has food and clothing that we donate, that we stock, and a way to restore dignity where people can come with an actual account and shop and get what is necessary for life. There's um, space to do a co-working space uh, to open up room for entrepreneurs and creatives and freelancers who follow Jesus or not, go to our church or not, to come together, create community, and work for the common good of the city. There's space for a community garden. There's two parking lots, as I said, and Tammy and I in our community, we've been dreaming about the potential of building kind of an updated version of a monastery or really a co-housing community on top of one of those parking lots. And we would move in there with our community and maybe 30 or so other people and take practicing the way to kind of the next level around a rule of life and Sabbath and a hospitality center and a justice fund. And so these are all dreams that right now are just dreams, but there's the potential in this space. I mean, really, the sky is the limit. There's, as I said, 35,000 square feet. There's so much potential beyond Sunday gatherings and home communities, which is really the bread and butter. It's the core of what we're about, but there's so much more that I think God has for us. And then finally, our desire is really just to be rooted in the city. You know, right now we live under the threat of eviction at all times. We have great relationships with both of our landlords and First Baptist and the Morning Church is owned by a, an older couple. We just have a great relationship, but still, we just never know what's going to happen, and the buildings are not ours. So there are multiple events and multiple conferences coming up this year that we were either asked to host or we wanted to host, and we just were not able to because we don't own the space. We have Holy Spirit Conference coming up this spring. We had the date set. We had the speakers lined up, but there was a miscommunication, and we just found out we don't have First Baptist. So now we're just scrambling to change the date and move speakers around, and we're not sure. And Again, it's first world problems, we're fine, but it would be so amazing to have a space to root in a neighborhood to really literally move into and have a heavy presence in just per capita people, leaders 
in the city who walk to church, do life in that neighborhood, and hopefully bless the city as a whole and even beyond that, the world. And um, we'd love to be able to host events and host conferences for Portland and beyond. We have all sorts of ideas in the years years ahead of things we want to do for kind of the broader church around everything from spiritual formation to preaching to all sorts of Holy Spirit stuff, all sorts of dreams and ideas. So those are just a few of the main reasons that we're um, dreaming about raising the money to get this building. Basically, um, at a practical level, we need to raise $3 million over the next year. That's our dream. Our dream would be by next Christmas, we own this building, we've remodeled this building debt-free. We have a number of pennies in the bank that should be enough to remodel the whole property. We just need to raise the money to actually buy it. Now, you might be thinking, why in the world are you asking me? I don't even go to your church. Absolutely. So there's no pressure. We just want to put this out to you. We know that, again, we have thousands of listeners to our podcast all over the world, and some of you are kind enough to email in at times and just talk about how the teaching from Bridgetown or the story and our kind of journey with Jesus has in some way, shape, or form been of a benefit to you. And I just, as I was walking over here this morning, I was thinking about Paul's line to the Corinthians in chapter 9, where he writes, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? And what he means is if we have sown spiritual seed, and in context he means the gospel and the work of formation and apprenticeship to Jesus and teaching, if we've done that, is it too much to ask you to give back some material? And he means money to support kind of the work of leadership and other peripatetic leaders from Jerusalem and apostles and others. And he says similar things in other places when he's raising money for a justice issue, for a famine down in Jerusalem all over Asia Minor where there is no famine. He's saying, listen, you're you're Gentiles, you're not even Jewish, but this whole thing came to you through the heritage of the Jewish people and the Messiah and Jewish apostles like myself and Peter that went out to preach the gospel to you. And that's his logic for why the Gentiles in Asia Minor who have money and plenty of rain and sun are to give and to send an offering back to the poor in Jerusalem. So whatever the example is, I, I like that paradigm, and we just basically wanted to invite you. If you were at all interested in, uh, as my Pentecostal friends say, seeding into this, and they get that language from Paul in this agrarian metaphor, if you're interested in investing is the kind of you know capitalistic kind of language for it, or really just giving into what God is doing at Bridgetown and around the world through our teaching, man, we would just be beyond grateful. Our church is healthy and doing well and growing, but we are still young by demographic. We're in an urban corridor. It's expensive, and $3 million is a lot of money for our church and for our size church and for our demographic of church. So we just wanted to put it out there to all of you and just ask that you would think and pray. Um, A few things. One, we ask that any penny you give, whether it's $5 or more than that, would be over and above what you hopefully already give to your local church. So just as a pastor, my um, advice to you, not command from the New Testament, but advice is that you give to the, that you're, one, you're a part of a local church, and two, that you give to it, ideally starting with a tithe, 10% of your gross income, and then you grow and expand your generosity beyond that toward your church, toward the poor, toward people in your community in need, toward initiatives around the world, toward the gospel or the Bible project or whatever your nonprofit of choice is, that you do all of that, but over and above your giving and ideally tithing to your local church. That is hard and fast my kind of advice to all apprentices of Jesus around the world who have that capacity. 
So if you give anything, we ask that don't give in place of anything to your local church, but rather over and above that. And really, honestly, if you just want to give $5 as a symbolic, like, hey, I listen to this podcast once a month, and there's a few times when God's really used it in my life, and so I just want to give 5 bucks or 25 bucks or 25000 bucks or whatever it is, wherever you're at on the financial spectrum. We just ask that, one, you give over and above. Two, if you want to give, um, just go to bridgetown.church give. There is a link there to Holiday Park. That's the name of the building and the campaign. And there's, again, pictures. There's a video. There's a tour. There's frequently asked questions. There's um, a link to give either online or by cash or by check or whatever works for you. And finally, we just ask that if you are a regular listener to our podcast, would you just pause for a moment, maybe right now, or as you turn this off before you climb out of your car or finish your run or walk into the office or finish up your housework, whatever it is that you're doing right now, would you just pause for a moment and just ask if God would have you give anything? And that's no, no manipulation at all. We're just so grateful that you would even listen along. And it's an honor for us to serve you. It takes a little bit of time from our staff and Dave that I'm sitting right next to who's silent. You maybe hear a, a light chuckle. I don't know if that will show up on the mic or not. But he's wonderful. Take some of his time and the resources that we create, both through our podcast and through practicingtheway.org. We put all of that up for free, and we will continue to put all of that up for free. But we just wanted to create a little space. If you'd like to partner with us to seed into this field, so to speak, to see this voice and the kingdom of God expand in our city and hopefully beyond that to the world. And either way, I hope that, if nothing else, you're inspired to dream for your own city to dream for the symbolic architecture in that city, to dream for your local church, to give to it, invest in it, be rooted in a time and in a place, to take, as one of my friends says, spiritual responsibility for a geographic location. I love that. May you, may I, may we all take spiritual responsibility for the time, for the place, for the city, or the town that we call home. Grace and peace.